The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan. Welcome into episode 261 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. Natty Hattie. And Sebastian Norin. Hey, Aleupa. That's <laughs> so much better. We're uh, already off to a better start. This might be the best podcast we've ever recorded, and we're only 20 seconds in. Seb, how are you doing from Cincinnati? Cincinnati, Seb. I'm, I'm doing well. It's uh, definitely starting to begin fall here. Uh, I was telling Craig before we started recording that, you know, the lows here now are going to be just a couple of degrees above freezing. So, yeah, winter is coming. Just like here in Phoenix, where it is almost below 100 today. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Yeah, I I do miss the weather out there. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, today is Willie O'Ree's 85th birthday. I just want to get that in there before the nonsense begins on the show. And um, let's begin, gentlemen. I mean, we've had free agency. We've had the draft. We've had all kinds of stuff happen since the last time we recorded a show, which wasn't that long ago. We used to have a, a third guy here. Don't remember his name, though. All I know is he was going to Chicago. That was two weeks ago, and he's still not in Chicago, which makes me think he's pedaling a tandem bike across the country. <laughs> a good image. Let's see. Good and disturbing. Uh, Let's start with the Coyotes, though. And I will begin with this question to both of you. There's this perception, or at least the perception that I've I've gotten from people, that this team is really going to struggle next season. And and I get in a lot of ways where that has come from with, you know, they didn't have draft picks this year and they don't have draft picks to start next year. But in terms of the actual roster at the moment, isn't this basically the same roster before they <laughs> traded for Taylor Hall and they were in first place last year? I mean, I'm not I saying mean, they, they're a first place team, but they swapped out the the fourth line. That's about it. I mean, yeah. Brad Richardson's gone, Michael Grabner's gone, Vinny Hinnestros is gone. Of course, Taylor Hall is gone, and uh, Carl Soderberg will be gone. But yeah, it's it's just you're shuffling the bottom six, and I think you can make an argument that certainly with Johan Larson that they made a great addition to the bottom six board group. Um, Tyler Pitlick, hopefully he can stay healthy. He can bring something that they've lacked in terms of his energy and that grit, that edge that he plays with all the time. I mean, yeah, they didn't have Taylor Hall when they were in first place uh, when before they made the trade, right? And Darcy Kemper's still here. Most of the veterans are still here. I could see this team – sort of doing what we saw from them last year. I just think it's interesting. And again, I understand why, why this perception grew. There was all these rumors, hey, they're going to trade OEL, they're going to trade Darcy Kemper, they're going to start rebuilding. But they haven't done any of those things. And as it stands right now, Oliver's not going anywhere. As long as Kemper doesn't go anywhere, I think you're in most games. So it's just, again, I'm not saying this is a first-place team. It's not like they have improved. And by the end of the year, yeah, they're losing Taylor Hall, which is big, although we'll get to him in a second. But uh, when they were in first place, when they made that trade, this is essentially the same. It's the same defense and the same goaltending. And like you said, Craig, you're only swapping out your, your fourth line, which not that that's not an important line, but it's not typically what decides whether or not a team is a contender or not. No, it doesn't. And the thing is, too, that you got, you got to look at this from a, you know, they're going to be a scoring by committee team. I mean, Connor, Connor Garland was the top scorer with, what, 23 goals this past season? So... I think you're going to you're going to have to rely on that. Hopefully you'll see a guy like Phil Kessel, you know, sort of get up a little bit more to what we've used to see from him. I I think, you know, his numbers were not what we could have expected going into the season. So it's 
it's going to be tough. Some of the teams in the West and specifically in their, their division has gotten a lot stronger on paper. So I can see if everything falls into place and they play, you know, to the system well and everything, they can be a bubble team, but I can also understand that fans are a bit frustrated with all the rumors surrounding the team. They see other teams go and snatch up these, you know, big name players and, even the second-tier players, we saw a guy like uh, Yevgeny Dadonov get signed here today, you know, for a very reasonable amount. Um, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to that contract later, but, you know, that, that's a guy who, who can easily score 20, 25 goals. This would have been a great offseason to have uh, cap space and a little bit of money to spend because there were yes. a lot of players mm-hmm. that got signed. I'm like, oh, I would have taken a flyer on him. I mean, even – even a guy like Alexander, is it Venberg, Sebastian? Now Sebastian's here, we've pronounced the names yeah. correctly. Venberg. Oh, well, that's... But that was no. pretty good. I'm, I'm okay. saying for, for the American pronunciation, Venberg, yeah, that's not too bad. Give us the proper one one more time. Venberg. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, that's that's, a, instead awesome. of a berg, it's a berry. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, either way, uh, Alex would have been interesting to have on uh, just somebody like that. Somebody that, that had some, some upside that, that really flashed a couple of years ago that you wouldn't have really had to pay anything for. I'm not just saying him. I mean, Bobby Ryan, somebody like that would have been interesting to me because these guys are, are for the most part available on really steep discounts this, uh, this off season. And the Coyotes just don't have the cap space I mean, among, among all these other things. They don't have cap space. No, that's true. And you, you, you've seen teams like Colorado, I feel like they've done a good job throughout the years of doing, you know, reclamation projects. You know, you pick up a guy that's his, you know, his stature might have fallen a little bit. You can get him in on a one-year deal, see how he works out. If he doesn't work out, no, well, we only signed him for one year. So, yeah, a guy like Venberg, a guy like you know, Bobby Ryan, like you said, one year, one mil. I mean, yeah, that would have been perfect signings. Because they're very low risk. So let's let's jump into some of, of the, the big names with the Coyotes. Let's start with Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, he had his self-imposed deadline of last Friday. If you were going to trade him, that had to be it. And if you were going to trade him, it had to be to Boston or Vancouver. And he's back. And, and look, I, I assume there's going to be some awkwardness because it's kind of out there that they were shopping him. But at the same time, you're coming back next season with your best defenseman and your team captain. I mean, if they can put the awkwardness aside, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, and that's the big question, right? Can they put the awkwardness aside? I, there are a lot of issues to solve there, uh, namely that ownership made it very clear that they wanted to trade him. That's, that doesn't sit well with a player. I mean, that's ultimately why he okayed the Coyotes exploring a couple of trade options. But it, wasn't, it wasn't his relationship with Rick Tockett that led him down that road. It was problem with ownership so can they solve that can bill armstrong smooth that over that's a big question going into next season i don't think oliver is gonna have too much of a grudge or whatever you want to call it i think he's just gonna come in and do his job and focus on playing hockey really and um but yeah it's it's sort of up to armstrong to mend the fences a bit if you want to say but um i mean he could have said blatantly just no I mean, he had the no movement clause. He, yeah. They came to him, asked if, you know, can you give us something? And he said, well, here's two teams. If you can make it work, make it work. Well, I think that's important, too, what, what Craig just said right there. It's not an issue between Oliver and, and Rick Tockett. And so 
if it is an issue between player and ownership, I mean, that never really would come up during the course of the season in theory. It's not like you're practicing with the owners or you're, you're going out there and playing the game with the owner on the bench. And, and the other thing, you know, it's not, it's not that ownership doesn't like Oliver Ekman Larson. They were just trying to shed salary. And that's really the only way you can do it unless you want to trade Clayton Keller or something. I mean, that's, that's the guy making the next biggest uh, amount of money on your, uh, on your roster. In fact, you go forward, Keller's the one making the most money because you got him signed for eight years at over $7 million. But I don't, I mean, if I'm Oliver, as long as he's not taking it personal, I don't think this is going to be something that rears its head on a daily basis. No. And I mean, really, I, I, it would be kind of nice to, to sort of pick Armstrong's brain there too and sort of gauge what ownerships wants too. Because I mean, really, Oliver has shown a lot more throughout his career, which has been a lot longer than Clayton Keller. But so far, I feel like Oliver's more worth his cap hit than what Clayton Keller is. Yeah, I think that's fair. I just, you know, when I look at this team right now, guys, I, I, I expected to see some more moves by, by now. I mean, they, they did what they were going to do with the bottom six. We knew that was coming. But other than buying out Michael Grabner, you haven't traded two big players that we just mentioned. But then all these other veterans that we thought might be on the block, Derek Stepan, Alex Goligoski, Jason Demers, all of whom have been involved in trade rumors, by the way, none of them have moved. And it, it's a little surprising to me. It makes me wonder about the market because when you look at their contracts, these guys don't have prohibitive deals at this point. Um, Goligoski's only, he, he's got a higher cap hit and that's an issue for some teams, but he's only owed $4 million this next season. Derek Stepan's only owed $2 million because they paid $3 million in a signing bonus. And Jason Damaris had uh, a chunk of his salary paid in signing bonus as well. None of these guys has a big number. So I'm a little surprised we haven't seen them move. And it makes me wonder what, what teams think they're worth on the current market. I mean, are you even getting offers of like a third or a second round pick for these types of players? Is that what it is? Is it, I mean, cause I guess we don't know for sure, but you can look at it and say, well, that's just the market, you know, the few months after a pandemic, or I guess still in right. the middle of a pandemic and, and people, teams, all so many other teams are scrambling to get under the cap themselves. Or is it a team's look and they say, yeah, I don't really, even if I could, that guy doesn't interest me. He's, he has more value to the Coyotes than he does to other teams. I mean, I guess it, it goes on an individual basis, but like Jason Demers, I think Craig, you're the one that, that put it out there on Twitter. I mean, he was at least in the Flyers were at least interested in him, right? Yeah, it was Elliot Freeman that reported, and I was just quote tweeting it. But yeah, that's the, I think they were interested in him. They were actually also I know they were interested in Nicholas Chalmerson until he opted not to waive his no move clause. That would have been a perfect fit for them. But then they went and signed uh, Eric Gustafson, and then they didn't have a need anymore. I don't know when these guys are going to move. Maybe these guys are more trade deadline moves, even though their, their cost is not prohibitive right now. Maybe these are guys that teams look at at the deadline and say, yeah, that could add something to our lineup. I, I, I guess I find it hard to believe that at $2 million, you don't think Derek Stepan could add worth to your team, though, with, with all that he brings in, in terms of experience and character alone. Yeah, I think that that's more of a cap issue thing, really. Um so you, you just got to find the right fit there too. If, if you're the Coyotes and you decide that, you know, we're not going to sign the, the next contract with Derek. Um, and I think that could be said about a couple of these guys. Like you said, I mean, they're not owed a lot of money. So it just becomes a cap issue thing. And Luke, you hinted at it. I mean, yeah, trade deadline. If, if, if the Coyotes are out of the running, really, you, you should see a lot of these guys go up. I'm sure they'll ask Nicholas again if he's willing to waive his clause. 
And it's, then it's just a matter of, you know, what's his personal motivation? Does he, does he just want to finish out the season in Arizona where it's, you know, nice and warm? Or does he want to try and go again for, for another cup ring? I mean, that, that's the thing. He has his cup rings. So. Yeah, and there's the whole stability thing with him too, yeah. with, his, with his kids and his ex, and yep. that matters to him. But yeah, I, I get the sense that he may consider it at the deadline. So he would be, a, I would think he'd be a really hot commodity at the trade deadline. But these other guys as well. I, again, I what what's what's the issue right now? What do you guys? What's your read on the market right now? that they haven't moved a guy who just isn't owed that much. Is this something that maybe just shakes out a little later after teams have a better sense of their rosters? Is this like an NFL thing where teams go into camp, they sort of eyeball what they have, and then they say, you know what, this would be a nice addition? I think so. Yeah, that's sort of what it seems like, right? I mean, this this offseason, it feels like we're going to see one or two teams that whether it was by skill or by luck or whatever, one or two teams that really – take advantage of this offseason. Maybe Colorado is one of them. It looks like it, it might be them at this point where teams look around and they realize they can get guys for cheaper than they should be able to in terms of money or assets at a trade or whatever. And they're able to pick in and just grab a couple guys off other teams. And, and yeah, I would think a guy like Derek Stepan would be on a list like that because, you know, if, if you're looking at the Coyotes and you're saying Derek Stepan's not a number one center, well, that's fine. If you're a, a true Stanley cup contender, you're not looking at him as a number one or a number two center. You're looking at him as a number three center that has experience going on deep playoff runs and can still play hockey. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah. I, what a spectacular that, benefit for the playoffs. Yeah. To have yeah. A guy like that. that one does that one. That one really surprises me. If the coyotes are trying to move him that they haven't been able to yet. Um, let's, let's look at Darcy Kemper and, and Craig. I mean, is there any sort of where, where do you stand on, on where this is going to turn out now? I mean, we saw basically nothing get traded to the Penguins for Matt Murray and then Ottawa way overpay Matt Murray. But if you look at Darcy Kemper's contract, I think he's the 18th highest paid goalie now in the NHL in terms right. of cap hit. And there's no market in terms of trading for him. If I'm the Coyotes, if I trade him, I've got to still pay a goalie. If I keep him, I'm in pretty much every game. I'm not moving Darcy Kemper. Well, who, I mean, who needs a goalie anymore after this entire shuffling of the deck? I mean, there, there, there aren't many teams out there that really need a goalie. And, and clearly the, the market wasn't that great. We knew that because it was so flooded. So I, my whole sense now is that they're going to hang on to Darcy Kemper because they just couldn't get returned for him. It doesn't make sense. And yeah, you're right. They, he's going to make them competitive every time they go on the ice. So what do they do in net though? They're going to have to move somebody. They're going to try and move on to Ranta, but again, the, so far, uh, there have been a, there's been a lot of goalie moving. Nanti Ranta hasn't moved. So are, are teams scared of his injury history? I don't know. Are the Coyotes maybe thinking we hang on to him too because we're looking at a, a condensed schedule where you're going to need two goalies more than ever, maybe three goalies with the way things play out. So maybe we hang on to him and, and try and trade him at the deadline as well. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, really looking at it, Carolina has been – a lot of rumors that they might be looking for an upgrade, but they still have Marazic and Reimer under contract for this coming season. So then you're, you're looking at, okay, you're, you may be getting one of those guys back for, for Ranta, but I don't know if they see Ranta as a big of enough upgrade too to, to really pay for something. So, yeah. um, but if they want to go after Darcy, then yeah, that would be a, a clear upgrade. Yeah. Uh, other, I- Otherwise, it's um, I'm trying to figure out what teams. I mean, Buffalo, they need a goalie. Buffalo needs everything. 
I, I just, if you're going to sell on Darcy, it's the same things with OEL, you know, minus the considerations for the contract, which, which scared off some teams, obviously. Well, scared off some teams, the two teams. That's, that's a big number to take back. Darcy doesn't have that. So if you're going to move that asset, you better get maximum return because, again, I keep saying this, I know, that's the way you jumpstart a rebuild. You have to make sure that you're managing your best asset. You got to ma- manage all your assets well, but especially those best assets. Yeah, I give Bill Armstrong a ton of credit so far because he didn't come in and hastily just deal guys away. He didn't say like, well, okay, Oliver, we, we, we got to move him and, and Boston and Vancouver know that and Boston's offering nothing, but we'll just trade him anyway for a second rounder or something. You don't do stuff like that, but there are GMs that would have done it. Kemper, I, I'm with you guys. I think if you were going to trade him, you would have traded him before Matt Murray got traded and Braden Holtby and Jacob Markstrom and all these guys got signed because now it's like if you're playing musical chairs with goalies, pretty much everybody has found a seat. So if, if the Coyotes made it known, like, we have to deal Darcy Kemper, they absolutely could do it today. But you're not getting anything at this point. And when you consider, A, how good he is, B, the position he plays, and C, that he really doesn't make that much for his position, you should be able to get a huge return or just keep him because he probably provides you more of a return on the ice, keeping you in games. Again, I keep saying it, this team, there's this perception that this team has fallen off a cliff. It's essentially the same roster. Now, we saw in the playoffs, like, this roster is not ready yet to compete with a team like Colorado. But over the course of a regular season, this roster was good enough to be a fringe playoff team. So if this is what they're building from, you just have yeah. to be careful. Can I? And I also want to – I have no idea where it was going at that point, but – if you remember the, the the game after they got Hall, that they they won Hall's debut in San Jose. He sets up OEL for the game winning goal, and I, I wrote this in a recent piece that that may have been the high point of their season. You're in yeah. first place. You just acquired an MVP. You have that that kind of start, and then the very next game, Darcy Kemper gets hurt and is out for 29 games. Yeah. So with the momentum that the team had at that point, I still wonder. What, what sort of picture would we be looking at if Darcy Kemper had stayed healthy? What might that team have accomplished? What sort of uh, – how would they have ridden that wave of momentum and, and would it have taken them farther than we expected? I don't know. Obviously, we'll never know, but I, 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 can't, I don't think you can discount that point, that at that point in the season, they were playing really well, they were really confident, and they looked like they were building towards something, and then they lost their best player. That would definitely go in the big book of Coyotes' what-ifs. I mean, there's yep. a lot of chapters to that book, but that's yep. – let, let me throw another potential what-if at you guys. And this is – you know, it's, it, it's, it's based on some insight, but for the most part, this is opinion. My, my feeling – and again, it's just my personal opinion. Nobody's told me this – is if there wasn't a pandemic and John Chica was still GM, Taylor Hall would still be a Coyote. That's just and – that, and when I see him go to Buffalo, that uh, – if anything, reinforces the point. Now, I understand he's going to Buffalo wait a year, trying to get more money like, a, like he normally would have next offseason. But, I, I mean, sort of to your point, Craig, like if this – when they make that trade, you're thinking your GM's going to stay. You're thinking your, your ownership's not going to get hit by a pandemic that affects finances. And you're, you're thinking we're in first place and we just added Taylor Hall for a couple prospects we weren't using. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they took a shot and obviously – They did. It didn't work, but that's not even because of hockey stuff. No, and there were other things that were working about this team. There's a reason they were in first place, and it wasn't just Darcy Kipper. If you remember, Nick Schmaltz had a terrific first half of the season, too. So they're thinking, wow, he's really emerging as a center. We've got Christian Dvorak. We've got some really good pieces here. Why not try and add to it and reward these guys for what they're doing? All of that is context that people like to just sweep aside, but it was there at the time, and you have to deal with reality in the moment. 
obviously you have to do some forecasting as well, but again, it, what, how much different does this team look if Darcy Kemper simply stays healthy? Yeah. No. And like you said, Luke, I mean, the whole pandemic thing I, I, and the ownership, I mean, it, when they're in the types of businesses that they're in too, um, which has been hit hard, you know, it's it, I, the same thing there. If we didn't have the pandemic, I don't, I don't think that you're, you're going to Oliver even and ask him to even give you two teams. I think then you're looking to, to make sure that Hall stays in place or you're looking to, okay, well, Taylor's leaving. Let's get another star name in. Yeah. And I mean, that, that, that's just the reality of finances. Sometimes if, if you're in the wrong, if you're in the wrong business, you can lose a lot of money quick and, you know, it might just be that they're not very cash flow positive right now, and that's why this whole Oliver thing even came up. Sure, and, and again, let's let's keep that as speaking of context, right? We have a global pandemic going right now. We're talking about one of the teams that historically has struggled the most in the NHL financially, and that is yep. certainly still the case. So use all of that as backdrop when you're judging what's happening. That that doesn't excuse some of the things we're saying. You can't be late on signing bonuses, things like yep. that. But but they're they're definitely feeling the pinch and they have to make adjustments accordingly. And I get that. That's that's just basic business. Let's uh, let's come back to Hall in a second, but let's let's talk a little bit about the the guys the Coyotes did bring in with Tyler Pitlick and John Hayden and Johan Larson. Uh, Craig, I know you mentioned them briefly at, at the beginning of the show, but um, Larson in particular, what do you guys see from him going forward? You go ahead first. <laughs> well, I think it's an excellent pickup. I think they got him on a really good deal too, which you know could be another effect of this whole pandemic. Some guys are going to sign for a lot less than maybe what they're worth. And I feel like Ewan Larson is definitely one of those guys. He's done a very good job in Buffalo in their bottom six and can play a huge role in, on the PK. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, what he can do here if he, he's given a little bit of uh, more uh, free freedom going forward too. He, I know he's he's only had ten goals. That's his uh, that's his uh, personal record so far. But yeah, I see a lot of upsides in bringing in a guy like Larson. Wait, wait, say his first name again because you didn't say it the way we say it. You won. You, I did win. You wow, won. Oh, I like you this. won. I'm so happy. It doesn't. It's not you even won. just you won. It's like you won. Like you need to get excited <laughs> about winning. I could easily remember that pronunciation now because of the way you said it. That's perfect. Yeah, okay, that, that I'm going to hold that, that. I'm going to hold that with me. That Go one ahead. I can do. Uh, well, I just uh, real quick what, what Sebastian was saying. I mean, it's not like Larson has amazing goal totals, but you you didn't bring him in to score a bunch of goals. Setting aside the fact that scoring is still an issue for the Coyotes, I, I'm, I'm not trying to to undersell that. But that's not why you went out and got Larson or Pitlick or, no. or Hayden. You know, and, but, and so that's people look and they're like, oh, I wanted something more exciting. I get yeah. that. I completely understand that. And you did lose Taylor Hall, but these guys are not being brought in to score a bunch of goals. They're being brought in to do other things. They are, but I, I still feel like Larson has shown in the past, which I think Craig has written about too, that you know he used to be a very productive player, both in Sweden yeah. and at the AHL level. So he has potential offensive upside. It's just that he's sort of molded his game to be able to stay in the league for as long as he had. Yeah, no question. One of the things I've heard about him is, you know, he, he loves to drive the net. He And then the, the Coyotes obviously needed something like that. He's also incredibly effective on the forecheck when you're talking about 
offensive uh, capabilities. That line last year with Zengis Gergensen and uh, Kyle Poso had ridiculous possession numbers because of their ability to sustain a forecheck. So that's a good thing to look forward to. One of the things I've heard about his offensive game is he sort of has a, a below average shot. It's sort of a weak shot. That's something maybe that they can work on with him. But when I look at this guy's defensive numbers, first you talk to people around the league about their opinions and they rave about the guy defensively. Then you look at the analytics and they say the same thing. It's this, this marriage of, of, you know, the eyeball test and analytics. This guy is an elite defensive player who really seems to enjoy just being a pain in the rear. When Phil Housley had him that second season in Buffalo after they traded Ryan O'Reilly, 84.4% of his zone starts came in the defensive zone. That's an insane number, and it just shows what kind of trust Housley had in him. Well, and that's an interesting connection right there. You, you have to make those connections, especially in hockey, but really any sports. But look and see who does who on this Coyotes, not just roster, but in the front office or coaching staff already is familiar with him, and you have Phil Housley right there. But also what you just said right there, Craig, I mean, if the Coyotes, if the Coyotes are trying to win this year, they're trying to win with, with goaltending and defense. And that's not just, hey, how does your top pairing defenseman play? That's your entire team playing collective defense. I'm interested to see how quickly Bill Armstrong and Rick Tockett can get on the same page because the way you describe Larson is the exact sort of player that Rick Tockett has wanted. And those two, they seem like they would think similarly about hockey and how to construct the team. But Armstrong's only been here for a couple of weeks, and they've been chaotic weeks. Yeah. Listen, nobody wanted to see Brad Richardson walk out the door less than me. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a reporter's dream. I just, I'll, I'll talk to the guy after any game. I'll find an excuse to incorporate him into a story. But if you're looking at what you've done at your fourth-line center, you just upgraded. That's, that's, that's just the reality of it. You have upgraded that position, and this guy has just been, like I said, he's just been an elite defender. So I thought this was a terrific signing for the Coyotes. Uh, Tyler Pitlick, his his journey to get to even this point in his <laughs> NHL career has been it, – it's been an, an adventure to get to this point. But that's a guy with a little bit of upside that, that maybe doesn't get talked about all that much. I can tell you Flyers fans – Flyers fans don't like anybody, and, and they love Tyler Pitlick for what he was – for when he was able to play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote a story today about just his injuries alone. I, I, I told him I want to dive into his backstory at some point, but the injury story itself is just so crazy when you look at what this guy's gone through in his career. Uh, a, a ruptured spleen, first of all. Let's, let's start there. I, I, I know Mikhail Bodker had one or something similar, but like I, I've never heard of that before other than those two guys. So he's had that. He's torn an ACL. He's, he's literally cracked a kneecap in half. Yes. <laughs> some of the things he's telling me and he's just he's laughing about it while he's telling me it, it, it's just crazy that he's continued to come back from significant injuries didn't philip forsberg have a ruptured spleen one year too i feel like forsberg i mean philip or not philip peter forsberg peter yeah, uh, peter forsberg he had everything yeah it might have been a spleen yes yeah. Okay. So we <laughs> might have, have three been spleen, spleen injuries we can identify. That's, that's definitely the name of this week's episode might have been spleen yes yeah <laughs> yep might have been he also had so many injuries. Oh my god! Yeah, he did. Although it didn't really seem to affect him because he was like six foot nine and five hundred pounds of, of muscle. Yeah. Um, so with Pitlick, um, I mean, he, like you said earlier, you got both of you guys mentioned this. He, he he's going to bring an edge. He's as Bill Armstrong calls it. He's going to bring an identity to the to the bottom six. They really needed that. They needed more size. They needed more edge. They needed to be harder to play against. I think we all saw that at some point. And Rick Tockett obviously was banging that drum for a couple seasons. So. If he can stay healthy, 
Yep. He looks like another effective addition. And then John Hayden, I just think, is more of a sort of an extra forward. We'll, we'll see what else they do. But he feels like a guy that's in and out of the lineup that can fill that physical role when you need it. As far as scoring, where are they, are they looking for that to come? The additional scoring, looking for that to come from Barrett Hayton. Uh, Craig Progress. has turned into the, the human shrug emoji here as we're recording. This too bad the <laughs> listeners can't see that. But are they looking for more – I mean, are they – are they leaning on or relying on more consistency from Keller, uh, Schmaltz staying on the ice, Kessel working out in the offseason, and, and Hayton just developing? I mean, those to me yes. are the main guys you look at. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All of that. I mean, yes. I mean, Seb said it earlier. They're going to be scored by committee again. They don't have the snipers to fill up the net. They thought they were getting that in Phil Kessel, but we saw, you know, the ghost of what was Phil Kessel last season. He obviously needs to train better. He needs to have a better season because they got two more years on his contract and he didn't give them much, if anything at all, last season. But they they have to get production from a bunch of other guys. Clayton Keller has to take another step up. He has to build off the postseason. Nick Schmaltz needs to prove he can sustain this for a full season, what he did for half a season. Christian Dvorak, I think, can take another step up offensively from where he is. There's a bunch of guys. But, yeah, they don't have that high-end goal scorer, so they're going to need consistent production from a bunch of guys. What's, um, what exactly happened with Taylor Hall? I mean, for him to end up in Buffalo, that, that probably if you had said he's going to go to one of the other 30 teams, rank them 1 to 30, Buffalo would have been very low on my list ahead of, like, Detroit, and that's about it. Um, yeah, but, I mean, when you see if that contract he signs, he signs for one year, he gets, you know, pretty good money, and now he's get, getting one year next to Jack Eichel. Exactly. And, and a coach he loves. A yeah. coach he really gets along with. So it's not a bad idea. If, if you're realizing you got to maximize a one-year deal, that you're not going to get the deal you hoped you would get in an unrestricted free agency, there's a lot of logic to this one. Again, for the relationship, for the chance to put up big numbers next to Eichel, and then maybe he cashes in when the market improves. My only pushback to that is, and I'm not, I'm not holding Taylor Hall to this, but I, I mean, I know it had been reported and, I, it, and he had said, like, I don't want to do the one year thing and, and, and play for a team and basically be a hired gun for one year and then switch teams again. I mean, that guy's talked about wanting stability and I completely believe him. I don't think that was just lip service or whatever. And I don't hold it against him for, for not re-signing with the Coyotes because they essentially mutually parted ways. I'm just, you know, at this point, I want to see Taylor Hall go, some play somewhere in the playoffs too if he's not going to play here and Buffalo's not I mean maybe maybe they make the playoffs this year but they're not they going. could I mean they could make the playoffs this year but they, yeah you don't see that team going far but look you, you can't discount the the effect or, or the influence of his agent Darren Ferris who's a really smart guy I'm sure he had a lot to do with this decision he they fielded a bunch of offers I don't think he got anywhere near the the AAV that he got in Buffalo from any other teams nobody was offering a big term contract at this point so it's not a bad thought. Just if, you, if you're thinking strictly financially, it's not a bad move. But then when you combine the other two things that we've already mentioned, he's playing for a coach that really he has a great relationship with, and that matters. And then playing alongside an elite center, which he hasn't been able to do. He should have been able to do at Edmonton, but never got the chance to do. Um, maybe that'll springboard him into a big contract. This guarantees Buffalo gets the number one pick in the draft lottery next year too, because they're yeah, always only right the there. Coyotes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Coyotes—they had the reverse effect. They didn't even get a first or yep. second or third round pick when they had Taylor Hall. They—it's like they paid the debt for all the other teams that have had him and got the first pick. Uh, Seb, anything on Taylor Hall? I mean, I, I would assume we were all surprised, but now looking back, does it make a little more sense to you? Yeah, I mean, yes, surprised, especially since he only said a couple of days earlier that he wants to go somewhere where he can win. Um, but at the same time, 
I mean, if you just look at it, like Craig said, I mean, coach, he likes playing next cycle. He can really boost his numbers. And then either Buffalo takes a big step forward. They say, Hey, we want to keep you long-term. He says, okay. Or he can go out when things have so, sort of normalized and, and get that big contract that he wants. We have it named Ralph Kruger. I guess we should actually say his oh, yes. name yeah. talking about, <laughs> about the coach. And yep. just a really cerebral, communicative, interesting guy. So in, in some ways, I'm, I'm kind of happy for both of them that they get to get back together. I, I had a, a chance when we were in Buffalo earlier this season to talk to Ralph for a separate story that I was writing. And it was, it was fascinating to talk to him just because of his experience working around the world in different sports. He's just got a, an incredibly diverse array of experiences in his, in his professional life. And, and that I think helps him as a coach. And, and part of the reason probably is he's so able to, I guess, connect with an, a number of different players. That, that yeah, stuff is big for Hall too. I mean, one of the really is. reasons I thought he might stay here was because of how much he enjoyed working with and playing for Rick Tockett. So if he has that relationship with, with Ralph Kruger, then, that to me is where it starts to make a little sense choosing Buffalo. Yeah, I feel like Kruger is. I spoke to uh, Victor Olofsson earlier. Uh, it feels like a lifetime ago now, but early in the season, last season, and he also said like it's uh, just how his communication skills and everything, and just makes it so easy to work with him. So that seems to be like a really, really good coach. Now, if they could just figure out how to build on strong first halves. Yeah, we know they're going to start great. They're going to they're going to be like seven two to begin the season, and then who knows after well, that? I mean, look at their potential first line though. So you can have Tall, Hall, Eichel, and Victor Olafson as yeah. your first line. I'll take that. Yeah. I'm sure Victor Olafson's not too upset about that either. No, no, he's gonna he's gonna score a lot of goals. All right, we should mention too. I mean, we can I guess we can at least say Jamie Eisner's name once on this uh, this episode. It it feels oddly ironic slash fitting slash right and wrong that his first episode where he's not here, Buffalo signs a, a great player. I mean, for as much as that guy has ripped the Sabres over the last 259 episodes. Yeah. I wonder what that guy thinks. I guess we can find out though, because he's en route from Kansas city to Chicago right now, by the yeah. way, somehow you have changed hats. Oh, I, was, I only did it just to see if anybody would notice. Oh, oh we yeah. noticed. We noticed. Right. Yeah, did you? you okay. Went from one gray hat to another gray hat. I did. Well, this one at least has some some black on the side of it. But yeah, the yeah. other one was more of a, a Bauer hat from the uh, the fine uh, Bauer store. All right, I let's mean, get I, in. I, should, I shouldn't say anything. My three hats are basically blue, gray, or black. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not really <laughs> nobody's wearing like a holographic hat. There's only so many options out there. You guys are doing a lot of branding here right now, though, between you. I mean, if this thing were – if we included the Zoom. Yeah, if you had the video, it would be sponsored by um, Bauer Hockey. It would be sponsored by Sergei Fedorov, since Seb has the jersey <laughs> back Team up Sweden there. And, and Arizona uh, State University with the yeah. – Yeah, and, and Craig, Craig has that Cubism. painting that he did himself that he claims Picasso did. <laughs> Cubism, yes, would also be sponsored by Cubism. Sponsor of the Natty Hattie podcast, <laughs> Cubism. Um, all right, look, we've we've sort of dabbled in, you know, how how strange of an off season this has been, not just calendar wise and structure wise. And I mean, let's be honest here, the next season should be starting. It should have started last week, um, and yet here we are. Nobody knows when next season is going to start. Free agency and trades, a lot of them did ultimately happen in you know the week or so after the Stanley Cup and, and into last week. Let's um. 
just for consistency's sake, let's start with the trades and let's start with Chicago trading Brandon Saad oh, away. Shall we? What yeah, are the Blackhawks doing? What are they doing? <laughs> I can't even bigger? remember. Somebody tweeted at me. It was a great tweet, and I meant to save it. I forgot to. How is it that they lose all of the Brandon Saad trades? <laughs> <laughs> they really do. Well, they pretty like- much. I saw they basically turned Artemi Panarin into Nikita Sadorov. So, <laughs> Yeah. Over the span of like two or three painstaking years, they managed to turn one of the best players in the NHL into a big guy that can hit people. He could well, that. That, okay, yeah, he's a big guy, but he also loses a lot of battles in front of net. So. Yeah. yeah. Not a fan at all. I have no idea what they're doing. N- clearly, neither are the key players on the Blackhawks who spoke out about it, <laughs> including the team captain. So, hey, look, I'm, I'm not saying that the general manager has to involve his leadership, but it might be a good idea to give him a heads up of what's coming. Well, especially I mean, least send him a text. Yeah, yeah I mean, seriously. When, when you've made that trade and, and, and you know it's still a sore subject that you traded away Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad, and you know it's a big deal to Blackhawks fans, and I'm sure guys in that locker room, and then Saad kind of starts to produce a little bit, and not just against the Penguins, who he always seems to have at least two goals against, but against other teams, and then you trade him away for a guy that yeah. I just feel like that's the sort of guy you can grab in free agency. It, yes. I, I got a Russian back? Is that the argument? <laughs> yeah, but he's not he's not Panarin just because he's Russian. I mean, it pleases me just to see when anytime the Blackhawks make a move, I think how is Craig reacting to this? And well, didn't we just hear last year that they're moving this thing? They're trying to speed up this sort of retooling of the roster around Caden Tapes to give them a chance. We did just hear that last year. Yep. And now. We've abandoned that because they made the playoffs, because they beat the Oilers and got into the playoffs. Now you're saying, yeah, I guess that was wrong. We're can not you, doing that. Can you explain to me, Craig, the like the, the perception of the Blackhawks right now in Chicago? Because in the days since this trade has been made, I've seen quite a few different Blackhawks, either fan-based sites or actual media sites, talking about how this is a good move because now it triggers a rebuild for the Blackhawks. Weren't they supposed to be rebuilding a couple years ago? Yeah, they should have done that a while ago. And what, what, is, what form is that rebuild taking when you still have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves? How much can you actually rebuild? You're halfway if, rebuilding, which means if you're, you're not. If you were going to rebuild, you should have, like we talked about on the podcast at least last year, maybe two years ago, trade your biggest assets. Go ahead. Cash in on Patrick Kane right now. Embrace the fact that you're not going to win the cup again with this group because that's the truth. And it's becoming incredibly apparent now, isn't it, that Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane are not going to sniff the Stanley Cup again as Chicago Blackhawks. And you've been so right in your assessment that Stan Bowman gets to skate because their scouting department is so good. I mean, look at some of their draft picks the last couple of years. Again, they're already stepping in and making a huge impacts. Like Kirby Doc is, was impressive. But just mm-hmm. because you do that doesn't mean – Again, if you if you told me, hey, we traded Brandon Saad away and we got a, a pretty high second-round pick or something or, or somebody's prospect, but you just got a guy that – I think if you're trading for Zadorov, like I said, I think you, that's the sort of guy you get in free agency, but if you're trading for him, you're trading for him because you're one big player away from winning the Cup. You're one 
third pairing defenseman or something away. And like you think literally one be, big player? Is that what you meant? Yes, one physically big player, <laughs> <laughs> one who can cross check people in the head. A large man. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, and, and yeah. I, I'm I'm sure that you know letting go of Core Crawford didn't sit well with that you know aging leadership group either. Even though I feel like Brent Seabrook saying in all of this is kind of mute at this point. Yeah. Um, Brent. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brent, but you're best, part of the problem. Best not to call attention to yourself, Brent. Yeah. So, but I can understand that, you know, Taves, Kane, and Keith are sad to see their buddies go and everything. But at the same time, like, Carr Crawford, you know, his best days are behind him. Mm-hmm. And so still need a goalie. They still need a goalie. Yeah, who yeah, is that? Got rid of Robin Leonard, got rid of Corey Crawford. Hey. There you go. That's another team that actually needs a goalie. So we're, yeah. we're up to three teams now. Is it is their goalie right now? If the season started tomorrow, if the NHL was like, "Hey, we found a way to beat the pandemic, we have to start tomorrow." Is it yeah. Colin Delia? Is that their goalie? Hey, hey. yeah. <laughs> the face yeah. Craig just made. I'm gonna take a moment here. Yeah. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a drink actually. <laughs> and what what are you drinking out of again, Craig? You're drinking mm. out of a Yeti, which is what I'm also speaking into. So do you ever get confused and speak into your thermos and drink out of your microphone? <laughs> Only when I drink uh, enough out of my white Yeti. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll keep talking about the And I start out. speaking with things in my mouth. You know, I was okay. thinking about this too. You, you can pretty much find a podcast anywhere you want where people speak clearly. How often do you find podcasts where people speak with things in their mouths? Yeah, there's plenty of them out there. Don't worry. Uh, some, some of these other moves, I mean, I want to go through all of them, but we mentioned this off the air. Uh, Devon Taves to Colorado. Mm. Colorado, I just think, is making some smart moves. Nate Schmidt goes to Vancouver. Andreas Janssen goes to the Devils. I'm not totally sure what that accomplishes. I'm not totally sure what the Devils are doing, but uh, Max Domi to Columbus, Paul Stastny to Winnipeg. Any of those really stand out to you guys? Uh, well, go ahead, Seb. You, I, I, I was going to say, there's a couple. I mean, for, for Andreas Janssen, I think it's, you know, the Devils, they got an opportunity to just get a really solid player on the cheap, really. For not much, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what, yep. I mean, he has a very team-friendly contract. I think he's definitely up for playing a bigger role. He even showed in Toronto at times that he could step up in their top six and be effective if they had some injuries and stuff. So uh, I think that's a very good pickup. Where, as far as what the Devils are doing as a team, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> They well, that, that was my bigger thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, mean I wanted the Coyotes to try for a couple years ago when Toronto was up against the cap, but yeah. it just feels like now the Devils just sort of helped Toronto. It seems like one or two teams always helped Toronto when they have cap issues every year, but also like collectively, I mean, they add Corey Crawford, they add, they, they're adding pieces, but I don't know what they're building. No, no, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, they still have a couple of spots open on their roster too. So I, I kind of want to, see where it goes before uh, I really start talking about this. But, you know, it's uh, – you have two good, really good prospects. I, I'm still going to call Nico Hishier a prospect, even though he's 21 and been in the league for a couple of years now. But, you know, Yak Hughes, I think, you know, as he grows into himself, he's just going to get better and better. So I've been in the States, we say Jack. Jack. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> I think that should be a new um, segment is, is Seb just yeah. calls in and, and says things in his most American accent. Yeah. Jack. I like um, Yak better, actually. Yeah. It sounds Yak better. Was, Everything yeah, sounds was, better out of Seb's mouth. <laughs> he was I didn't do the rest of the podcast. He was definitely Yak Hughes last year. He was not Jack yeah. Hughes the way It was like Yak Hughes. It yep. just sounds great. It sounds yeah. so much better. So, 
But I mean, there's still I I would still assume that Mackenzie Blackwood is their number one goalie. Yeah, with Corey Schneider uh, gone. Yeah, a couple of things that jumped out to me. Like, first of all, what what happened with Tory Krug in Boston, and what is Boston doing with his blue line? That is, they didn't get so, Oliver Ekman Larson. Zdeno Chara may may just be done, or he may, I don't know if he's going to play another year somewhere else. Um, and they even had Brandon Carlo on the market. What are they doing with their blue line? It yeah, felt like it, it felt like they thought they were getting OEL, and they were so mentally committed to getting him, although apparently not in, in reality to, to make a legitimate deal that they right. didn't have a backup plan, which doesn't fit with Boston at all. Like there are teams around the league that if you told me, hey, they thought they were getting this player, so they neglected their other player. Like Tory Krug says. If you believe him, that there was just no conversation between him and the front office. And again, there are teams in this league where if they did that, I'd be like, yeah, that kind of fits what they're doing. Not Boston. Boston is a Stanley Cup contender, probably should have won it now two seasons ago and typically run things very, very uh, smoothly. And it feels like they really messed up here. Yeah, they took a major step back, and they are not a Stanley Cup contender now when you look at that blue line. There's no way they are. I I don't know what they're doing here. On the flip side – with, with uh, the Krug for Petrangelo switch out, you got younger. You got a really good player. You, you, he costs you a lot less, like $2.3 million a year less, right? And, and Petrangelo's contract was crazy long. So yep. I like the move for St. Louis. Um, with Vegas, you better win in the next couple of years because that contract's not going to look so great down the road. And they're going to have some cap issues down the road, something we haven't had to talk about with Vegas you know, previously say, they already have cap issues. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, that's if they don't win because this feels like an all-in kind of move. We've been this close. Oh yeah, we need to get a player of this. Uh, they better win. Well, I mean that that's the thing. It's kind of funny to see Vegas and what happened. I mean, they got into the expansion draft. They had this grand plan of we're going to build by drafting and getting young prospects, and then they just everything fell into their lap. They had a phenomenal first season. So it basically, George McPhee had a plan and it went the total opposite of that plan. Yeah. They've basically been in win now mode since like four weeks into their first season. And you start to look around at some of the other, some of the other teams like top prospects, like a guy like Nick Suzuki or uh, Brandstrom in, in Ottawa, and you realize these were Vegas's picks. Like Vegas doesn't have any prospects, or not many, I should say. I mean, I guess they still have Cody Glass unless they've traded him in the last 10 minutes. But for the most part, they've been in just win-now mode, and, and it's been working for them. I Honestly, I thought they were going to get to the Cup this year, and they weren't really that far away. And, you know, last year they, they probably got screwed over by that five-minute penalty against San Jose, and the year before they were in the Cup. So, yeah. It's hard to argue with them. Maybe they have found a way where they're just never going to have prospects. When they get guys, they're going to trade them and, and just try to perennially be contenders. But we'll see how long that can last. Yeah, and I mean, you, the thing is, Angelo, I, I feel like he's at that upper echelon level of, you know, if you, if you say the top 10 defensemen in the league, Angelo is going to be on that list for most people. And Shea Theodore really had his breakout season so now you have a very nice-looking one-two punch on the blue line, and that could just be been that last puzzle piece because their their forwards still look amazing even with Paul Stastny gone. But up the middle, I'm not, I'm not convinced Vegas has what they need up the middle. I, I like their wings, a, a forward group. I like their speed and their how hard they are, but I still don't think this team's good enough up the middle. Is that who's your pick if we and maybe this isn't fair because there's going to be a lot of changes still and we don't even know when next season starts. But 
Vegas for the the last two years has been my pick to come out of the West. Not and yeah, I mean, mine mine was Colorado a week ago, and I'm not going to change off that. But I, I'll be honest, I part of that was I thought Taylor Hall would be in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I'd still probably take them over Vegas and, and anybody else in the West right now. But it's um it's there's going to be like four or five teams that legitimately could come out of the West now. St. Louis is back in it. Yeah, yeah, they are. And they were a good team. And and if you remember how they were playing just before the pause, it looked like they had figured it out and then they just couldn't recapture that momentum. So they're still a team to watch. But uh, yeah, I'm going with Colorado. Look, they were banged up in that series too, if you remember. Against So if they're healthy, do they escape that round and win the Cup this year? I, that's got to be my pick. Plus the Blackhawks have Zadorov now too, so you have to put them on the court. True. True. Um, quickly, before we get to listener questions, some of these free agent signings, Seb mentioned earlier, Ottawa got uh, Dadanov earlier today for a pretty good price. The one, the one that really stands out to me, other than the guys we've already talked about, like, like Hall and Petrangelo, Henrik Lundqvist going to Washington. It, that's going to be weird for me to see him uh, in, a, in a uniform playing for fans that have not been kind to him in the past since he was in the Metro Division on the Rangers. We need these Swedish things drop right here. And then yeah, Sam do. just does the next part of the podcast in Swedish. Hour 15 into the show. Okay, I'll write it down. <laughs> so what do you think? I mean, seeing, seeing Lundqvist on, on Washington. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Uh, I, I said to Craig before we started recording, you know, it's sort of that Mike Modano took that last year in Detroit. Daniel Alfredson did the same thing. There, it's just some of these iconic players, and then you see them take – one last year in a different club, and it just looks weird. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be really strange. But at the same time, if he feels like he's not done, you know, kudos to him for keep on playing. What did you think of Markstrom's contract, by the way? Six years in Calgary. I'm always leery of goalie contracts that are that long. Yeah, I have a colleague on, my, on the Swedish podcast, and he basically wants to cap goalies uh, to three-year contracts. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a long contract. It's a lot of money. And I, I understand that Markstrom jumps on that opportunity because, you know, that, that was not anywhere near what he could get if he would have stayed in Vancouver. Uh, I think for the first two to three years, that might actually be really good for Calgary. They haven't had a a real number one since the day of uh, Mika Kiprusov. So, um, do we? when do we get to come on the Swedish podcast and do American things? Is that a feature that you guys are considering? We can probably do that. Okay. that. That sounds like fun, actually. So, uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of Swedish things, did we want to bring up my chocolate? Uh, I definitely want to bring that up, but I wanted to say one more thing on Markstrom. That six years, for first of all, I, I – I'm very. There are very few goalies, and I'm going to commit that to Jacob yes. Markstrom. Basically, emerged recently. It, it's not like he has had a consistent career. And then when you take in, and I think people discount this all the time with goaltenders because so many people don't even think about the goaltending position. Ian Clark is a terrific goaltending coach. He is a bit of a self promoter too, but he is a fantastic goaltending coach. They can't take him with from Vancouver. So how is Markstrom going to fare without the coach that basically turned around his game? I yep. question that as well. And then when you look at six years, that's, that's a risk for Calgary. The six-year thing is, is it's a great point because, we you know, when, when Matt Murray got traded to Ottawa and they signed him to that just absurd contract, and I have all the love in the world for Matt Murray. He's, he brought Pittsburgh two Stanley Cups in the last, what, four or five years. So, you know, good for him, although not good for him because he could be playing in Ottawa now. But 
I just, uh, it made me look at, you know, what goalies are making what and, and how long they're signed. And like I said, Darcy Kemper in terms of cap hit is, is 18th in the NHL. And in terms of salary, he's actually like 21st in terms of actual salary. But you look at some of these guys up near the top and it's like, Sergey Bobrovsky is the second highest paid goalie and they're locked into him for a while. And yeah, Matt that Murray, contract. Yeah. I mean, that's brutal. And even Carey Price, as good as he is, they're locked into him for so long with a $10.5 million cap hit. And like Jonathan Quick is, is 10th and, and you know, they're locked in for a 5.8 million cap hit with him for a little bit longer. And you realize those are the sort of contracts that can just destroy your team, especially in a league now where a lot of teams are kind of rolling with two good goalies instead of trying to find one great goalie. Yep. Seb, what do we- Yeah, you got to pull this up now and okay, explain this so, to us. Yeah, so it's a Swedish chocolate little bar here. It's called a plop. Plop. Yep. And, well, we have uh, no vowels in English that sound like that. Plop. plop. Yeah. No, we don't. How do you spell P-L- that? P-L-O-P-P. Seb, that's too close to poop for me, but keep going. Yeah, so usually it comes with like a caramel filling, but this is a... A salty licorice filling in this. Uh, salty uh, licorice. Like what yes. kind of licorice? Like are we talking red black licorice? licorice. Black, salty yes. black licorice inside yes. of chocolate. That is something that is very unique for, I would say, Swedish people, Finnish people, and I think people from the Netherlands also like black licorice a lot. This sounds disgusting, and yet I feel oh, it's like... it's so good because you, yeah. you got that salty and sweet. It's really I kind of want to try it now. I feel like if, if it were as disgusting as it sounds, they wouldn't make it, which makes me think you guys all know something, and I'm missing out. Do you I think like Plop would sponsor this show? Uh, maybe. I don't know oh, how, how, they, how they do with sponsorships, really, but it's... Uh, yeah, no, it's really good, actually. So I like, um, I like Everyone Plop. should at least try... Yeah, to get their hands on some salty licorice at some point and try it. How do, how do we do that? I mean, don't you have to go to Sweden to buy that? Or can no, you order? can go to Ikea. Really? Oh, okay. Yes. All right. It's going to be the salt licorice gummies then. Okay. All That's right. usually I'm, what I'm they gonna, have. I'm going to have to try this. Uh, let's get to some of these listener questions before let's we get not. cut off. You haven't even okay. mentioned the Flaming Zamboni yet. I can't believe you haven't mentioned the Flaming well, Zamboni. Well, I, I first, before we get to that, I want to mention the fact that <laughs> I'm assuming this was Craig – who tweeted out asking for questions and then later said, we're done taking questions. <laughs> yes, that was me. I'll admit. <laughs> um, what is the story behind the Flaming Zamboni? The Flaming it's uh, in a city just outside of Rochester, New York. The guy was literally resurfacing the ice and there was a mechanical issue. I can't remember the exact issue, but yeah, it, create, it created a fire. And this guy calmly... Operated the, the machine. Well, by the way, while he was leaving red marks all over the ice as well. Yeah. The ice calmly operated, great. got it back into its bay, pulled out an ex- extinguisher, and put out the fire. As if, yeah, this happens to me every day. <laughs> That's what that it was looked a, like. It right? was a huge fire. <laughs> yeah. a huge fire. I tried to huge. describe it to somebody, and they're like, oh, was there like sparks? Like, no, no, it was a ball of flame cutting the ice. <laughs> yep. And, yep. And, but Craig, you're 100% right. He then, he, he continued. Hold it into the little docking bay as if this happens every other day. And, he's like, and then oh, I, yeah, I'm reading the same story. Like this has happened before. Like how, how come I have not seen this footage before? Because this is definitely footage I would want to see. Wow. So there have been other flaming Zambonis. And apparently the mistake that the drivers have made in previous instances, maybe that informed this guy because they have some kind of club where they communicate issues and learn from them. They went to the bay. They walked to the bay to get the extinguisher, and by the time they got back, it was too late. So he actually drove it to go faster, got into the bay, and put it out. 
It's a great name for like a, a roller hockey international yeah. team. The no, I mean, it, it was, should be a cocktail was, in Rochester now, shouldn't it? Yeah, probably is. Flaming Zamboni. Flaming here you Zamboni. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it was funny too because people, you know, some people thought it was blood on the ice. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's, high, it, it's hydraulic fluid. But no, no. Like, oh, while God, he was on blood. fire, he also ran someone over. Yeah. And then dragged them across the ice. <laughs> I feel like a flaming Zamboni, if it were a drink, that would just be ice cubes made out of fireball, right? That's that's what the drink is. And then maybe something poured over that ice cube. That's that's yeah. a flaming Zamboni in Rochester. <laughs> All right, we're going to get cut off here. So let's get through some of these questions since Craig already cut you guys off uh, when you were asking the questions. Chris. You, know, in- you don't even want to talk about the four-division format. I, I, you know, I, I put I, together these well, show notes. This is what happens, Seth. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I told Craig that we recorded a four-hour episode of the Swedish podcast the other day. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got all the time in the world. I'm used to this. We now, got 15 but... minutes. We can squeeze it all in. But can we just say, yeah. talk about we're that? We're going to get cut off. Go Foley making that slip up and saying, well, yeah, yeah, we're not going to have to worry about seeing Nate Schmidt in the Canucks because he's going to be in the Canadian division. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's actually been out there. Eric Duhacek wrote a, a column about this for The Athletic a couple months ago, suggesting that this was a possibility. And after that tweet yesterday, I have to admit, I reached out to a couple of people. I was like, is this on the table? Yeah. And they're like, way off the record, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so how is that going to look, though? Because if, if, I mean, the Canadian division would obviously only be seven teams. I guess it gives a Canadian team a better shot at actually winning the Stanley Cup for once. Look at that. See, the, maybe that's what's behind all this. Well, I'm glad you asked because Eric Duhacek actually laid out the divisions. Oh, did it really? Yeah, and I was wondering about the Pacific in particular because there are seven teams that you can say out west, and then you can you got to go like on this line and say, okay, do we take Minneapolis, which is the farthest west, St. Louis, which is the gateway to the west, Ooh. or do we screw Nashville because you know they don't have much power in this league? That would help the Coyotes. Wait, before you read what the division would be, is the format then you just play the teams in your division? That's a times? good question. I don't know yet, but I do think, well, clearly if there are border issues, the Canadian teams aren't going to be playing the American teams. Yeah. So at that point, if the C- Canadians have to play an intra-division schedule, then you got to make everybody else do it, right? Otherwise you have all sorts of inequities. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what's on the table. But it, it's interesting if you, if you have to play a condensed schedule and it, if we get pushed back to like a February start date, it makes a lot of sense to just limit the travel, keep them within the region, and then, you know, you sort it out when you get to the postseason. Yes, there, there are going to be some inequities because you're only playing within the division, but you'll have crossovers. I don't know how to do all that seating, but it's it's maybe it's the best thing that you can do at this point under the circumstances. As I told you, that's a lot of Edmonton versus Calgary, which means a lot of Zach Cassian versus Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, um, there will be blood by the end of that series with how many It'll times like they have to Zamboni. play. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So quickly through the divisions before we get to listener questions in the Canada division, shockingly, all seven Canadian teams. I'll stop there. I'll let you guys figure out who that is. Quebec is not in that division for some reason. Oh, LOL. If this was if this was college football, the Canadian division would have two American teams. (laughs) Yes. In the East division, Boston, Buffalo, the three tri-state area teams, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh and Washington. That's a nasty division, isn't it? That is a nasty division. Uh, in the Midwest slash South division, Chicago, Minnesota, Nashville, Columbus, Detroit, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa Bay. Wow, Tampa Bay has already won that division. Yes, they have. And in the Pacific, Anaheim, the Coyotes, Dallas, L.A., San Jose, Vegas, Colorado, and the St. Louis Blues, the gateway to the West. St. Louis gets screwed, clearly, in this mm-hmm. setup. But yeah. one team has to because you only have seven Canadian teams. 
that's a brutal division too. If you, once you put St. Louis in there, that that St. Louis, Dallas, Vegas, and Colorado. Uh, yeah, Colorado. <laughs> the Kings are not going to be good this year, but we haven't talked about the draft, and we knew they were going to get Byfield with the second pick if they wanted him. Yeah. They've had a couple. They've had three years in a row now where guys have sort of slipped to them in the draft, and and Byfield at two isn't slipping to them. But I I like the Kings prospect system they've been building up over the last three years. So. Maybe not the worst thing the Coyotes are getting out of their division, in theory, next year. Hmm. Yeah, I think they're about a year or two away from really stepping up. So, uh, But yeah, they have, I would say, definitely the best prospect pull in the league right now. Uh, okay, let's go through some of these questions. I'm going to read the shorter ones. Uh, Coaches Jack, are you going to play the Sebastian OEL sound drop? Yes, I am if I can find it. And you will have already heard it by now if I if I got to. <laughs> um, Los Coyotes, Steve, are there any early takeaways from free agency, draft trades, and non-trades on Bill Armstrong? The market is terrible. Yeah, I, I kind of gave you mine. I like that he didn't overreact and step yep. in and try to, to make a splash the wrong way. You have to manage your assets well. You have yeah, to. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's it's hard to actually come out a winner from a trade. Like mm-hmm. if they would have actually traded Oliver. I mean, we saw Armstrong was – he he yeah, he he was part of the O'Reilly trade. So, I mean, he knows. Yeah, yeah. It's, again, yeah, like I said, and I, and I wrote this even before all this, t- all this was resolved, that he has to have the courage to walk away from this deal if he's not going to get the return that he feels is requisite for a player yep. like OEL. And that's what he did. And I, I sense that's what he's doing with Darcy Kemper, too. Uh, Booper, are the Coyotes really done making moves? No. Yeah, it depends. Can, can I they mean, no, but it's going to be right? – yeah, it's going to be trades. Yeah. Can they trade those veterans that we've talked about already on the show? If they can do that, they may be able to make some other moves. Okay, let's get a few more of these. Uh, Chris in Phoenix, how do you say napkin jummy in Swedish? Napkin yummy? Jummy. What's jummy. napkin? I don't in even know what a What's napkin? Yummy. Servette. Servette. Okay. Yep. There you go. Servette jummy. Servette jummy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, non-linear donut ball delivery. Ooh, this is a long question. What is your least favorite donut flavor? I don't know. Anything pumpkin spice. So pumpkin spice. Cinnamon. You don't like cinnamon? Cinnamon is delicious. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Don't like cinnamon donuts. Uh, I don't dislike any donut. Apple fritters, though, I got to be in the right mood for an apple fritter. Like you can't, if if I'm going to eat an apple fritter, if you're going to give me one, you need to give me some warning I'm going to eat one because that's like an entirely different meal and it's not really a donut. It's um, not really a donut. Also, which was the worst free agent signing and why was it Alex Petrangelo by Vegas? Oh, I don't know. If, I, I don't think that was a bad signing. Uh, bonus it's a risky how, signing, but yeah. you know, for the term we talked about, but I don't know if it's the yeah. worst signing. Bonus question, how many NHL head coaches currently employed will have been fired by the time that Petrangelo deal ends? Well, I mean, it's the NHL, so all, all of them. them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say how many are going to be fired by the time I'm done reading the question, and even that is usually like four or five of them. No, uh, I mean, Matt Murray, that contract's not good. Mm, yeah. No. I, what was the thinking there? I mean, they got to reach the floor. I, yeah. There's got to be another way to reach the floor. Yes, uh, they could have opted to not buy out Bobby Ryan. Do you uh, guys think they're going to be that good? I'm like seeing some chatter like, wow, they could be pretty good next year. I'm no. still, still not convinced. It's going to be pretty good. Especially if they're really in a Canadian division. Aren't they going to be the last place team in that Canadian division? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. Uh, 
underrated aspect of that, if there really is a Canadian division, I don't, people look at, at Canadians and they say, oh, they're the nicest people in the world. And they are, except when their hockey teams are playing each other. Mm-hmm. And so if it is an entire season of, of Canadian right. hockey teams playing each other. Ooh. A six-month bloodbath. Yes. Yeah. It's, it might be the only thing that could possibly divide Canada amongst itself. <laughs> That's right. Um, Johnny Clements, more likely route for the Coyotes to get a franchise center. One, draft, two, trade, three, sign, overpay. Draft. Uh, draft. Draft. No question. The other two aren't even really options. Unless Peter Shirelli's on the other end. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right now that's not possible. Dustin, okay, how cool are the Lazo sweaters for the Roadrunners? Really love how the Yotes so are sweet. This, yeah, they, they are. Uh, yeah, they, so look, they look amazing. And I like their Kachina uh, style too. I mean, that's they did a good job with that. I want to do this story, um, and I know the NHL has clear guidelines on how many jerseys you can have, and I, I, I kind of think it's crazy with the sort of the era that we're in, the generation we're in. There's so much revenue potential if you get creative with uniforms yep. and combinations. They need to dive into this because yeah, people I mean, love this stuff, and they're so willing to spend on it. Yeah, and the fact that it takes like 18 months to get a jersey out, Yeah, I think yeah. it was 18, 18 to 24 months. That's just crazy. <laughs> yes. uh, he also said, really love how the Yotes are trying to expand outreach and grow the fan base. Um, Jan Yenick, fan club leader, what team improved the most and what team got hurt the worst this offseason? Tampa's going to get hurt. Things. Yeah, they're struggling right now. We didn't even talk yeah. about how they're really struggling to get out from other. Nobody's helping them out with their cap no. issues, and, and why would they? Kind of the same with the Coyotes, right? Nobody's helping the Coyotes out right now. Well, may, maybe but, both both these teams, when they call teams, they should say, hey, we're the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then teams will fall all over themselves to bail mm-hmm. them out for some reason. Yeah. No, but I mean, really, if you look at Tampa, too, you know, I always want to see offer sheets. Like, I feel like we never get them. But yeah. they, they are a tool that the GMs can use, so use it, please. Uh, but, I mean, a guy like Eric Cernak, they might just have to say, oh, what mm-hmm. we can't. We got to let him go. Yeah, what it's it's Cernak, it's Sorelli, and uh, Sergachev. Yeah, so, so all, I mean the three stars. Yep. So I feel like Sergachev and Sorelli are you know top way above Cernak in in yeah. priorities. So, but you have winners and losers on this. They well, can't really they, afford them. No, no, they can't. They, they've got to make some moves. We'll see how it right again. Now. Again, maybe this stuff shakes out a little later, as we talked about. So we'll see how the market. It's it's an unusual market. We'll see how it goes. But uh, winner, I see, would say Colorado. Yeah, I still yeah. think Colorado's a winner. You know, Vancouver gets Nate Schmidt, and people. You know, he's a pretty good defenseman, so that was fine. Yeah, um, but when you cheap. what when you look at what they lost though in this offseason because of those bad contracts, I I don't. I can't make the argument that Vancouver is better. And their, their real issue last season was their bottom six. And that's basically the same. And they lost some players up top. I, I don't know about Vancouver. I don't think that team, I, first of all, I think they went deeper than they would have normally. I don't think that they're that good, but I think they could take a step back next season. Did you see the quote from Bill Daly? I forget who it was that asked him, you know, what, what happens if a team can't get cap compliant? And he wasn't, he was like, I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, yeah, it's not draft picks or, you know, we're going to find them. They just don't get to play next season, <laughs> which is just solid. His exact quote was, they don't play. That was it. So that's, that's, um, that's oh, uh, pretty definitive. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I, I mean, I feel like the Vancouver, they did some good and some bad. So it's kind of a toss up there, actually. I uh, wouldn't declare them winners or losers, really. Um, yeah, it's always hard to sort of, pick what teams are winners and losers we won't know for a while 
Nope. That's the honest answer. I will apologize to the the listeners because there's no way we're going to get to all these questions because um, I'll blame Jamie since he's not here. But Uh, Boston's a loser. I can say that. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Somebody named Jamie Eisner did write in and say, uh, miss me yet? I don't even know what that question means. Seems Let's uh, just move along. Yeah, okay. Uh, somebody named Gilbert Anthony wrote in and said, no Jamie Eisner, not worth it. Let's just move along. <laughs> I don't know what that means either. Um, uh, there was what did a we good say Servet Yummy? Servet <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. That sounds like a, like a, a restaurant, Servet Yummy. Uh, Michael Goodman, please explain what the heck the Hawks are doing. <laughs> I think we've already discussed that, and I'd rather not talk about it anymore. Let's just move along. Uh, Loyal Sif, what do you guys think of the Nate Schmidt trade? I know we don't have the cap space, but that's a guy who I would have loved to get, especially for only a third. Yeah, I mean, he was a good price. It was a good price, and Vancouver basically salvaged what was looking like a really bad offseason by getting that player. So I agree with you. Yeah, it would have been nice to add a player of that caliber. This gift that Jamie sent about when he said right after I finished with SNL is – Disturbing. Oh, just, no. Please move uh, along. Okay, I got to make sure I read this the right way so I don't get in trouble with the FCC. Uh, Leonardo, how many ducks could a duck duck if a duck could duck duck? Well, well, you can answer that. that, Luke. I can tell you that the ducks are happier that Jack Johnson is no longer a member of the Penguins. We didn't get to talk about that, but everybody. And Jackie is no longer a member of the Lupinski family either, right? He, he, well, he's getting his. He's legally going to have his name changed. That's okay. going to happen at some point. Is, is, still is be Jackie even in state anymore? He's, uh, he, I thought about shipping him uh, yeah, to New York. Stammering. You're stammering, Luke. I thought about making, shipping him to New York and making them pay for the, uh, the, the shipping, but I, I didn't do that. Okay. Um, let's see. Sarah, I've seen Craig mention his articles. They're great, by the way. Oh, wow. Come on. Talk of a rebuild. Is that definitely happening Hi, now or is it a future <laughs> thing? Just curious if expectations should be put low if they are rebuilding. I think this is a great question. It's kind of where we started the show, so we're coming full circle here as we wrap up. Yeah, it's just about whether they can move some of those veterans going into the final years of their contract. That will free up more possibilities. But until they can shake that loose, they're bumping right against the cap right now. They really don't have a lot of flexibility. We only have like two minutes left before we get cut off. Those veterans, again, that you're talking about, I mean, that's Goligoski, that's Stepan. Ronta. Ronta, okay. And Jason Demers. Uh, I mean, Demers, those guys all have value. But if you're telling me that the Coyotes before the season end up trading one of those guys for picks or something, I, I don't think that's a full-blown rebuild. Your core that, that the previous regime was building around of Kemper and OEL and Keller and Chikrin and, and Schmaltz and, and Dvorak, those guys are all still here. So it's, it's not a full-blown rebuild unless, to me, you, you deal one of those guys or yeah. two of those guys. Yeah, I agree with that. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Last thing, because we got to cut this off, uh, and I want to read this from Victor. How much better is Finnish food than Swedish food? Go, Seb. Uh, That is a very, very bold and inaccurate statement. (laughs) Swedish food is a lot better than Finnish food. So, yeah. I mean, I I tweeted you the photo of the match. Wait, wait, was Well, you said, hey, is that like an insult? (laughs) (laughs) Do I have to cut that out of the podcast? No, 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 it's fine. I didn't swear. No, but I mean, I tweeted the magical photo to Craig with the hot dog, the half special. So, you know, I I think I spoke about this last time I was on, which was a while ago, but it's a hot dog topped with mashed potatoes, shrimp salad, mustard and ketchup, and some fried onions. And it's divine. Mm. I can't even comprehend that. 
<laughs> my American brain doesn't get put all those pieces together. You say shrimp salad was on there? Yes, yes. It's amazing. All right. No Swedish fish, though. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us here. Sorry for all the questions we didn't get to. That's um, Jamie's fault. All right. Luke will actually jump online and answer them all for you. And we should do like just a, a live Q&A <laughs> sometime. Uh, for Greg Morgan, for Sebastian Noren jumping in, I appreciate that, Seb. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks to you for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Hey, Dope.